My name is Tim Barkholtz. I work for ExxonMobil, and I'm working on technology for CO2 capture. At ExxonMobil, we're working on a range of solutions, including a new way to capture carbon at natural gas power plants. Learn more at energyfactor.com. This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> you Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go again. So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Ennis Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Ennis Cantor, and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of DailyThunder.com, also all Mighty Baller Radio. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, how's it going, man? Great. What about you, Andrew? Uh, I'm good. It's a vacation day. I'm not working. I'm sitting back, sipping some coffee, talking some basketball. Doesn't get much better than this. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, so I, want, I bring Michele on to talk about things that often i don't understand or that i can't explain and mckelly can come on and explain it to me in a in a language that's not even his native language which is like amazing to me um but he's going to talk to us about so we have these three new players they're all veterans raymond felton patrick patterson paul george we know that they're better than the guys that were playing these roles last season but why are they better and what are they going to do and what do these guys bring to the table so we're going to talk about that uh, first, we're going to talk about Ray Felton. Uh, so, McKelly, tell us about Ray Felton's game. What is he going to bring to the table? And how much better is he than Samaj Christian? Well, uh, the, the main thing is that he can run uh, a functional offense uh, with a rotational player in the NBA. Uh, that was the simple, the simplest task you can ask to a um, backup point guard. Mm-hmm. And last year, Samaj wasn't able to do that. Um, he wasn't a threat, like scoring-wise. Uh, in any part of the um, uh, of the court, of the court, especially outside of the three point line, and even if last year like Felton numbers weren't great, uh, two seasons ago he was like um, very solid uh, as a point guard, and even even as I said um, with uh, LA he wasn't that good. He was still shooting above fifty percent on the corners in the in. Um, uh, from three point range. Mm-hmm. So if you have that skill and, and you can run a pick and roll, which you can, he is, uh, um, I'm using now, uh, the synergy numbers, uh, which gives basically, um, a number of, um, point per possession plus, uh, a percentile where the player it, it, that basically says where the player stands, uh, league wise. So, um, Ray, Raymond Felton is 70% running pick and roll as a ballender, which is above average uh, for a player and which is okay for a point guard. Uh, Russ is in the 80s, uh, Paul George is in the 80s. So um, he's not elite doing that. Um, it, was, it was maybe a few years ago in his prime. But if you can run a pick and roll and be mildly efficient with that, uh, for a backup point guard, that is 
Perfect. Plus, he can run very well the transition, especially when he's not the primary ball handler, which is kind of weird. Uh, but if you think about OKC, that basically uh, let Russ grab any rebounds, if you can think to, uh, to to put both on the court, then on that, that specific part of the game, he will be successful. Uh, as a ball handler, he's, again, uh, slightly above uh, average in transition. And as I was saying before, one thing that OKC really need is to space the floor. So... If um, Billy Donovan wants to use Enes Kanter again uh, as the focal point of the offense for the second unit, then Raymond Felton becomes very helpful because he can stand in the corner and be like very effective. I mean, 59% uh, from the left and 50% from the right is huge in terms of uh, uh, production from there. Um, and so based just on those numbers, uh, he will be a huge upgrade. And then he's a competent defensive player. He will not be great. He will not be like uh, a lockdown defender. Uh, but he he is competent. He knows where to be. Uh, on synergy numbers, he's elite in the pick and roll defense. I don't trust completely this number. If you want to know why, please ask any uh, guy that uses synergy regularly. Um, uh, but, I mean, he's solid on uh, synergy's defen- defensive number on the pick and roll, which is what basically matters in the NBA. Yeah, and I like that he just gives the second unit... They're less predictable now with Felton. Because you knew Samaj really wasn't going to be able to do anything. He had no gravity. He really couldn't drive the lane. Uh, he would spot up, but no one would guard him. Uh, you also had Alex Sabrinas, who I think that eventually could have a, a better dribble drive game, but he's a rookie. Uh, mm-hmm. Now you have Ennis Kanter, who, like you said, you can run the offense through him in the post. Or he could be a spot-up guy, or he could be your guy setting a pick on a pick-and-roll. And then you have mm-hmm. a guy like Alex Sabrinas that you can kick out to, who I think that is either going to drain the three, or if he's being guarded too heavily, he could drive past his guy. I think that they're just the second unit offensively is just going to be so much more dynamic with just this competent pick-and-roll point guard. I'd like to thank Chicken Express for sponsoring today's show. Did you know that you can get family-sized meals at Chicken Express? So what those are, you can get, and this is what I would do, 20 Express Tenders, 25 Express Tenders, or 30 Express Tenders. You can get those with uh, two family sides for the 25 and 30 with one family side with the 20. It comes with gravy that you can get tea to go with it. And it's a great value. It's good for maybe you're having a football party because it's football season now. Maybe you have a big family and you just need a lot of food. Uh, but it's a great option if you're looking for somewhere to get a lot of food. Take it to go. It's always really good. Uh, Chicken Express does a good job setting you up. Uh, we've done it for a couple of our parties that we've had with Down to Dunk with our uh, draft party. We had a ton of Chicken Express there, and they gave us those big pans of chicken tenders. Uh, you can go get one of those today for your football party, for your big family dinner, uh, family reunion, whatever it is. Remember Chicken Express. You can go to locations in Oklahoma City. You got uh, locations in Edmond and Yukon and more. Also, there's a location in Tulsa, all over the Dallas area. Go check out Chicken Express today. Yeah, and uh, another stats that I want to throw uh, throw out is uh, basically uh, the efficiency going at the rim after a pick and roll, uh, which is the like uh, the basic stuff that the point guard 
uh, does when dribbles the ball. Hen Ray at um, at the rim is uh, 54.6%, which is not great again, but it's efficient. So mm-hmm. if you do 1.1 point per pick and roll possession, that is great in terms of uh, uh, team efficiency. Last year, Semaj maybe he drove uh, a time per game, but I'm not sure he did. And he was nowhere uh, efficient like this. So, again, he is a smart player. He's a veteran. He will be heard on the field. So if you call the screen in a certain way, people will, will react as you expect. With Semaj, I'm not sure he was able even to um, to navigate uh, their te- his teammates to do uh, what was the plan. So I mean, having a veteran uh, over there would be huge in terms of um, organization and uh, efficiency. And again, uh, the second unit will, will have like Paul George for heavy minutes. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you... If you Add to what you said, uh, uh, a wing that can score in any way, then our second unit will, uh, the Thunder second unit will be, um, I think, much different from last year. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how much Felton will play with Russ. He played 9% of his minutes last season as a two guard, Felton did. But he's played seasons Mm. like when he was with Dallas, his first season in Dallas. 51% 51% of his minutes were a shooting guard. And that's kind of Rick Carlisle. He likes to play two small guards together mm-hmm. um, a lot. Uh, but the Clippers didn't. But it'll be interesting to see. And I was looking at Samaj. He played 6% of his minutes at shooting guard, 94% at point guard. I, I was going to guess it would be higher than 6% because I think I remember every single minute that he played then if it was only 6% because <laughs> it was just so brutal. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I imagine you're uh, watching 82 games stats or or, or on NBA.com. This is a uh, basketball reference. Oh, basketball reference. We, yeah, the, the source will be is, is close or similar to the one that 82games.com uh, has. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, sometimes it's just who was playing with. Uh, and so if Russ was on the court, then... Um, the player that is point guard will be Russ every right. time. Um, but in some sense, his point guard duty, uh, I mean, uh, Semaj's ones, were, not, were never fulfilled. Because if you sure. dribble the ball up, uh, up the court and then you pass, that is not really organizing an <laughs> offense. It's just right. initiating a possession. Uh, which is not what a point guard does. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe in the modern NBA, we, we don't have, we don't like give uh, the usual meaning to point guard anyway. But uh, what Samaj was doing was being a defender, a uh, positional defender, um, maybe good on ball, uh, bad on everything else. And on offense, it was a zero. So having someone that can actually shoot the ball uh, and playing like both guard position, as you said, gives like a lot of um, flexibility because even if uh, Russ is not in, on the unit and you and you have Paul George running the offense, then it means that Raymond Felton will be the actual two in, in, a, in that specific possession. And if he can do that, uh, because uh, threat shooting wise uh, on the corners, then he's then it's okay because you have like five offensive op- real offensive option on the floor, which is what modern NBA demands. Yeah, and I think that people just completely bypass this whole conversation that we're having when they think about the Thunder. And they're like, well, maybe they're not going to be that much better. Like, what is Paul? I mean, Paul George is going to add a few wins, and there's people that are taking the under on the Thunder. 
But the thing is that they had the literal worst backup point guard in the NBA last season. And I think people just completely forget about that. And they look at Russ's on-off numbers and they contributed all to Russ. But his on-off numbers were also incredible because it went from probably the best point guard in the NBA to the worst, just bang. And I think that the difference now between Felton and Westbrook obviously is big, but the drop is not going to be as crazy. And I think that that just helps the Thunder tremendously. Yeah, because again, a competent offense, like not a great one, an average level offense, or even literally a little bit below average, would be enough to have like a maybe plus five, plus six net rating, which is 55-ish wins in the West. So, again, I mean, I, I know how this uh, RPM pro, um, projection or quotes are done. Um, at least uh, I, I have like a grasp. But if you discount the fact that no one in the second unit last year was able to handle the ball, right. that is that is something because there is where uh, OKC lose the majority of the games. Mm-hmm. And now you, you, you sub, um, again, an average point guard, maybe slightly below average point guard. Um, and then you, you sub in probably for most of the minutes, because I think they will stagger a lot, a very good ball handler on the wing last year, Oladipo wasn't able, and that's why probably Presti decided to hold the trigger. Uh, wasn't able to really, um, around the second unit. Um, he was able to, to, to create sh- uh, a shot for himself, but that is not all uh, it is required for, um, for a wing uh, in a second unit. He should be able to, to run a sophisticated offense or at least not just dropping the ball to Ennis and then um, goes into the corner, going to the corner. So, I mean, I think the second unit will look really, really different, maybe more different than the first unit. Yeah, I I think I agree with that because for some reason they thought their best option, and this is where you know it's kind of sad, their best option is to let a center run the offense whose highest assist percentage of his career was 6.4. I mean, like that's... I mean, that's just having just little faith in everybody else, basically. And like trying to create... I mean, Ennis was a good passer for like a month of last yeah. season whenever he was really reading the defenses and um but i just think that it's the game is that that game for ennis is just really difficult and i feel like it's just he has to think so much and he's not using his instincts uh and i think that he can kind of go back to just being this instinctual score uh, which I think will help him overall because I think once we got into the playoffs and after his uh, arm injury and all that stuff happened, he got into the playoffs and I felt like he was overthinking things and he couldn't even score on like Nene. Like Nene's good, but Nene shouldn't be shutting down in his canter. Um, I just think that things got too complicated for him. And if he can go back to just being this dominant low post threat and if he can stretch out to three a little bit, I think that. I mean, I think the second unit is going to thrive. Yeah, and one thing that uh, Ennis loves to play, like he really loves to play, is the um, pick and roll uh, when he is able to um, receive on the move. Mm-hmm. And he, he'd like, if you remember uh, the first month uh, when he got uh, to OKC in 2015, yep. he was killing 
killing on the pick and roll with Russ. Mm-hmm. And last year, for like the right reason, he, his minutes with with Russ were limited. But now you have two players, not one, on the second unit that can run a, a very good pick and roll action. I will get into uh, a PG number later, mm-hmm. uh, but he he's elite in that as a yeah. wing. So if you if you give Anis the choice to Yes, you can post up, maybe like a few times during the game, but then you can uh, be involved in a screen and roll action, which is what you know how to do because he's fast. He, he knows how to slip a screen. He knows how, how to good how to do a good screen. Um, this is very helpful to him because you give him like a lot of chances. And the defense, um, if you if you give the ball like five times to Anaskander, what 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 else the defense can do uh, but double him? Every time, and yep. this is this is the taxing on, on him, and so I mean, he will be like, he will have like many more options. I think he will have like a good season if he stays. Yep, yeah, totally agree. Uh, let's move on to Patrick Patterson. Uh, he is probably the best free agent ever acquired by the Thunder. Uh, which kind of tells you something about the Thunder and free agency. But yeah. he's going to help quite a bit. Uh, we're both Demonis Bonus fans, and I think that he's going to have a good NBA career. Uh, but Patrick Patterson is a massive upgrade over what Delmas brought, especially toward the end of the season. Delmas at the beginning of the season was actually really great. Uh, but toward the end of the season, it, it was kind of hard to watch. Uh, but what Patterson can bring defensively, offensively, I think it's going to be a, a big impact. Um, so, Michele, tell us, what what is Patterson going to bring to the table for the Thunder? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you, um, you named Sabonis because um, you will see a, a huge difference between the game of these two players. Um, Domas wasn't a spot-up shooter in college. Uh, and he was asked to do that. Uh, he succeeded partially in the first part of the season, uh, but this is not what Thomas' game is. And so, if you ask a player to do something that is outside his comfort zone, especially in the rookie season, uh, you have to expect like uh, an up and down uh, year, which is what he did. Um, and we all remember like the last game in Minnesota, he, what he was able to do when he was asked to do the same thing that Coach View uh, asked him for two years. So you have to be like a very good um, uh, like player all around. Uh, so you have to pass, you have to dribble, you have to be like a, a threat uh, in the post. Um, Patterson will not do this stuff. Patterson is tuned to do the thing that OKC need, which is space the floor. Um, and he's very efficient in doing that. He can do um, in spot-up situation, which is basically what uh, OKC will uh, use him for. Uh, he is very efficient, both in uh, shooting immediately or attack the, the closeout when he drives right. So last year, we had a guy in the corner, which was Oladipo, most of the time. If you remember, like many of uh, of good Oladipo's shot were on the corner, and Domas was on the wing. Now you will have like a big guy on the corner and the guy that is able to create, which is Paul George, on the wing. This changed things dramatically because the the guy who was supposed to create in Oladipo last year was parked in the corner because it was fishing from there, and the guy who's not supposed to create was on the wing, which is Domas. Now this year you have the, like the right pieces in the right place because you have you give Paul George more freedom to to be like the wing uh, and you have like a guy that wants to be on the corner loves that kind of that, that kind of shot and is very efficient in doing that 
uh, and is also a good defender, which is what you need. So I think that among all the players that were free on the market, Patrick Patterson is what OKC needed the four. Um, and it's basically what uh, uh, basically the staff worked on um, Jeremy Grant because he was asked to do close to the same stuff. So mm-hmm. go on the corner, take an efficient shot from there, and be an effective defender. Uh, Patrick Patterson know how to do uh, knows how to do this stuff, and so he will be a key uh, for OKC offense because again you have to space the floor, and he he will do that. And this will be great for not for uh, not just for him or for the team, but um, for Stephen Adams especially because he will have like tons of space out there, uh, which wasn't there last year. Yeah. That's that's absolutely true. I'm so excited for for Patterson, and I hope that his knee's okay and he's able to get yeah. back and get into training camp because I do think that that I mean that's pretty significant. But I, from everything I understand, he'll be ready for training camp. He'll be able to participate uh, and should be fine. Uh, and to your credit about him parked in the corner, he's 40 percent for his career from the corners and he shot 41% last season and Raptors fans. If you talk to them about Patterson, it's, it just really depends on who you talk to on if they even like him or not, which is kind of strange. Uh, but he's streaky. And I think that that's, that's the reason why there's such a divide on him is that he can be a streaky shooter. Uh, but I think gravity to me yeah. is the thing that matters the most. Like if we can just last season, we just had so many guys on the thunder that just di- you didn't have to guard them. You know, by the end of the season, you really didn't have to guard Domas. You didn't have to guard Robertson. You didn't have to guard Samaj. That's just way too many guys. You don't have to guard on one NBA team, uh, especially guys like all, all three of those guys are guys that played in the playoffs. And if you have three guys, you don't have to guard. I mean, that's a, that's a problem. And so bringing in just a guy that has gravity will just help the offense run so much more smoothly, even if he's not, you know, hitting, you know, 40% of his threes, you know, the first month of the season, he's still going to have gravity, which I think matters tremendously. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I get that the, the, uh, the expectation on a corner three point, uh, is high. So 40% from the corner is not great, but still, it's it's an efficient shot, and uh, most of the time, if you if you're able to have on the floor someone that um, can take an efficient sh- shot, that will open stuff for you, yeah. uh, as you said, because no one will leave Patterson on the corner, and if they do, uh, this is what OKC wants, because then you have like a, a very uh, high percentage shot. I know that there are slumps and stuff, but also depend. I mean, how players are guarded. So if you have a five player on the court, uh, maybe sometimes OKC will uh, would be able to uh, to put Abrines uh, with the starting five instead of Robertson. Mm-hmm. Then you have a five player that you have to guard that you cannot leave. And so that is just because Patterson, Patterson is, uh, Patrick Patterson is there. Um, otherwise, that that like if you sub um, Jeremy Grant or uh, if you sub another player, then you will not have that space because no one will uh, go close to to Jeremy, uh, even if he was efficient last year. And then that is uh, basically what you said in uh, gravity terms. And then there is the defensive side, which is. An upgrade because, of course, you can put Doug McDermott on the floor and he will be crazy efficient on uh, on freeze. But you have like a huge um, 
gap defensively between the two. Patterson of any metric I I look at is at least above average. Uh, Synergy defines him excellent in uh, isolation and pick and roll, which is basically uh, what you ask big guys to do. Um, You ask them to switch. It wasn't great uh, in post-up situation, uh, but that is known. So, I mean, Patterson will not be good in guarding uh, low post threat such as like Marcus All, he will not be able to to run him at the five against good low post scorer. Mm-hmm. But this is something that you that you like that you can take. I mean, um, yes, it would be great if, if you were like uh, Draymond Green on defense. Uh, he is not, and um, he will suffer against bigger guys. Um, but I mean. Um, so that's maybe limit him to play constantly at the five, but I'm not sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm not even sure OKC uh, wants him to do that uh, for uh, like huge stretches. Yeah, and he's and if you look at it, the last three seasons, this past season he didn't play any minutes at, at small forward, but over the last three seasons he's played more minutes at small forward than he has at center. Um, that I mean, the Raptors hardly played him at center. Some of that's because they've already got guys that can play that position, and part of it's like what you're saying. Like, he, if he's going to be guarding big guys, like it's just not a good idea. Um, but if it's like a small ball lineup, like if you're playing basically, if another team throws out their four, uh, like if Ryan Anderson's playing, you know, the oh, five sure. for Houston, then he's perfect to throw out there as your center. Uh, just because he and he is more mobile than I think people realize, because some people think, oh, you know, they got Patrick Patterson, they're going to play a really traditional lineup. Well, Patrick Patterson is very much a modern player, and he is way more mobile than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Uh, he guarded LeBron quite a bit uh, when the Raptors played the Cavs, and he obviously can't really hold LeBron because nobody can. Uh, but it just tells you something that the Raptors chose him to to guard LeBron. So it's, he's he's just a really interesting, versatile player, and he just helps the team win. And if you look, one thing that is kind of significant is that he did have some knee injuries after the All-Star break. And if those are taken care of, like he is such a helpful player. Before the All-Star break last season, he was a plus 13.6. After, he was a mm-hmm. plus 4.6. So you can tell the difference in like pre-injury, post-injury, Patrick Patterson. And hopefully his knee problems are all taken care of and he's okay. Um, but it, it's interesting. And I look at his um, his shooting and, you know, he really wasn't ever that bad from three except for one month last season. In February, he shot 26% from three. Uh, his attempts were five of 19. But every other month, like here's... What he shot every other month. November, he's 35%. December, 40. January, 40. That 26 in February. And then 40 in March and 42 in April. So, like, yeah. he's not as, when I looked at those numbers, he's not quite as streaky as uh, some Raptors fans at least made me feel he is. Yeah, and if you if you want to search for stretches of five of nineteen for players, I'm sure you will find of basically anyone in the sure. NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not Kyle Korver, maybe not Clay Thompson, but uh, even Steph. I mean, Steph was two for uh, eleven, two for twelve, something like that in one game. So I mean, it happens. Five to nine uh, of nineteen. I mean, it's 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 too um, small of a sample size to say anything. Right. So I mean, it, it's just random. Uh, sometimes you, you 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 get like two games, two bad games. Is 
that does that make you a streaky shooter for two games? No, I mean, all Depot <laughs> was streaky. Uh, yeah. It was an entire month, like with hundreds of attempts, uh, like maybe 30% one month and then 40 uh, the other one. That is being like streaky or going every every other game, zero of seven and then seven of four, seven. Yeah. That is not what Patterson is. Right. Um, or at least there is like no evidence of that. Um yeah, so I mean, he's very interesting. And if, like, let's say that everything goes bad and he's not the same player, he's very bad for the Thunder because they, um, if he's healthy, he's great for them. But the, the investment that they made is so little that, right. uh, I mean, he was worth any penny, any dollars they, they spent on him. So, I mean, yeah, we, we all hope uh, as fan um, that he will be ready and he will be like uh, from 80 to 90% of what he was uh, uh, when Toronto was good. Mm-hmm. But if not, I mean, it's it's something that, he, that you can uh, you can risk money on, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Just because, I mean, it's it's such a, you're right, it's a little risk just because of the money he's making. I mean, he's basically making what the singler's making. Yeah, um, maybe less. So or slightly more. I, I'm not sure. Is 16 for three or four? I don't remember. Three. Oh, okay, then it's a bit more. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a little bit more, but not a whole lot. Um, yeah. And just to back to Domas, and I hate to pile on Domas here, but just the difference that you're getting in a, in an outside shooter here. He was 45% to start the season from three in November down to 32% in December, down to 21 in January, 5% in February, 31 in March, and then 40 in April. I mean, that's, I mean, he, like you said, he's a rookie who was asked to do something he's really never done in his whole basketball career. Uh, but the difference is going to be striking between the two of these guys and the way the offense will run with either one of them in there. So, yeah. Uh, let's move on to the centerpiece of this offseason and the guy that really, the only guy that people really talk about when they talk about newcomers to the Thunder is Paul George. So let's talk about what, what's Paul George going to bring? What is what is her, what are his tendencies? What does he like to do on the court? Uh, and what, what did he do with the Pacers? Yeah, that was really interesting to me. Um, I mean, you, you can scroll into synergy data and see um, what what was the percentage of possession he used um, in a given situation. And so he was about 20% coming off screen and it was like efficient, like 70, 75th percentile or something like that. Um, 75% uh, pick and roll ball handler, 75% ISO, 15% transition and 12% spot up. This is very very like peculiar because he he does basically everything um he can he can run the, the offense as a as a handler he can take his shot in iso he he loves to run the transition to compare like Russ has 35 um 35% of his possession was uh, as pick and roll ball handler mm-hmm. and just the fi- uh, the 5% as a spot up shooter even if and that was actually uh weird uh, he was very efficient like 1.16 Oh, point per possession is spot up situation yeah which is 88 percentile so i mean having a guy uh, in paul george that can trigger russ in the situation is most efficient on and being able to do basically everything else billy donovan wants to try at him because he can he can use some possession in iso then he can run through screen efficiently he's a 
uh, 85th percent uh, spot up percentile. So again, he's good at spot up shooting. And he had season where he was actually better than that. Um, especially the, his last healthy season before his big injury, he was crazy efficient in spot up situation. And, and even more efficient coming off screen. So, I mean, he can be used as you wish as a coach, which is basically a, a dream scenario because yeah. he's able to do it all. And he's good on the defensive side, even if uh, the synergy number weren't good in, in some um, specific um, entries. But that, again, I, I, I won't give much uh, thought about that. Um, the thing that most uh, this is most important to me is that, again, you, you get a competent player that can do that can do multiple things for your team. And especially, you can do efficiently the thing you, you were missing last year. So, you, OKC was missing a guy uh, that could do um, a screen uh, and a curl on screen like KD did um, for OKC. Uh, he can set screen and, and then um, pop up for a shot. He can run uh, and through multiple screen. I actually uh, spent like um, an hour of my lunch break uh, looking uh, at the sets that um, um, Frank Vogel uh, basically draw for him. Yeah. And there are many, many fancy stuff. I mean, uh, uh, some like double screen for him where he actually goes through the screen of George Hill and then Hibbert and then he pops out for a shot. All these things with a great screener, Stephen Adams, will be possible in OKC. And I hope, I really hope that um, the coaching staff uh, decide to, to develop most of this stuff with him. Yeah, there is a lot riding on this on this season and a lot of it is on the shoulders of billy donovan and his coaching staff you're right about that because it's they've got the pieces like we've gone through these guys and they have these pieces in place now to be you know i mean they could be the second best team in the west like that i think that's the ceiling for this team i think it's very possible but i think that depending on the job that they do they could be between two and four or five in the West, um, which really is kind of a big variance uh, with mm-hmm. this team. And so <laughs> I kind of feel for Billy Donovan a little bit just because he's had so all these teams have been so different. And his his basically his tenure in the NBA has just been crazy. Like it's just been so up and down, so crazy, so many different players, uh, so many different ideas he's having to run through. Uh, he's he's got a, a huge job to do, a big big job, and it's I, I don't envy him, and I think that um, it's I don't know I'm I'm ready to see what what Billy Donovan's made of, and with these elite pieces, I think we're going to find out. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, can I be like a bit nerdy? Oh, uh, be as be a hundred percent nerdy. <laughs> so there was this set that I get, I just can uh, can get out of my mind. So imagine that you have Russ on the ball on the left side of the floor mm-hmm. um, before the three point line, and then put uh, Paul George and Stephen Adams setting high screens. Okay, mm-hmm. so now Ron, Russ takes both screens and goes to the right part of the floor. First. In that situation, you mo- most of the time you will have uh, already gained some um, uh, some space. Yeah. Because if you if you give Russ not one but two 
good screens, that is something that is great for him. So he will most most of the time he will have like clear way to the basket. But suppose that something is not there, then Paul George fakes to run through the basket, makes contact with his defender, and then pops out immediately. And Russ triggers him with a with one of his uh, basically fastball. Yeah, that is almost unguardable. Uh, and they they run it with George Hill, which is great, but it's not nearly fa- as fast as as Russ, and not nearly as din- dynamic. So imagine that 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 um, precise set run with those players, and and then with if if nothing is there, then you still have uh, probably Russ into the corner, uh, Adams going. Um, toward the basket, and you you can run an ISO with with George on the wing. So if nothing if nothing really nothing works, you still have an efficient situation. Yeah, and either and then also you either are a lockdown defense and have Robertson out there, or you have an elite three point shooter out there in Alex Sabrinas in the opposite who's, corner. Exactly, who's another, exactly. Who's another option? I mean, I just think that people are people are like all over uh, the over under numbers right now. I just think the Thunder are just massively underrated at this point, which is fine. Like I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but I just think they're massively underrated, just because I think, obviously, I think people, the idea that is being thrown out there over and over again is that you look at the numbers for the Thunder and they're really more of a 43 win team last season, and then, and then all people just say, then you add Paul George, and then there may be back up to like 48 or 49. No, like that's not like, probably not. the pieces fit with this team. Now, like every Robertson was not doing the things that Thunder wanted him to do last season. Even Victor Oladipo really wasn't the player they intended him to be for this team. Uh, and then you have rookie Demonis Sabonis who played a ton of minutes. Uh, you had Robertson who took like the third most three point attempts last season on the team. Like now, like let's. Yeah, everything is like basically put back into place. The team makes sense. Uh, you have a competent backup point guard. You have a good, experienced power forward, and you have a superstar in Paul George. Uh, they're just massively underrated. I just I don't see any other way around it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that maybe maybe they will not be the the second or the third team because uh, San Antonio and and Houston outperform any um, of the projection they have sure but I think they will be solid I mean the only downside that I see is that they is that like Russ and Paul George really don't work uh, as a team uh, I if I have to to bet and I don't do that usually um, I won't because I think that Russ knows how to play with a player uh, of, the, uh, of the player type uh, that Paul George is mm-hmm. and people that say that, that is a narrative that I hate uh, which is like Russ has to learn how to play with another one no no, 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 no. That, no, that's wrong. Russ knows how to play with a player like that. Yeah. They may refine the sets that they use, like the play type that they use. Sure. They can be more creative. Sure. But they had like one year with a, with a, with a, like a creative co- coach. One year. It's yeah. not easy to do stuff in one year. Some does, like uh, Golden State did it. Uh, with just one year of, of Steve Kerr, sure mm-hmm. that can happen, um, but that's with but pieces that fit perfectly, right? Yeah, that's to start that's with. Right. To start with, and yeah. so the Thunder had pieces that fit pretty well, and then they had a team that didn't fit well at all, and now they have a team that fits well again. 
And I think that you have to have the pieces that are meshing together. And I, I don't think that Patrick Patterson's better than Serge Ibaka, but I do think that he probably fits better in this role than Serge did. Uh, well, I don't, he can make a big decision. Yes. Yeah, he can pass it a little bit, and he can actually put the ball on the floor a little bit as well. Uh, Paul George, not better than Kevin Durant. But he might be a better fit next to Russell Westbrook than Durant was because I think Durant likes to have the ball in his hands a little bit more. Um, so with, like you said, with Golden State, like they unlock something with those pieces that fit together just better than maybe any group, maybe even ever. Probably top five groups that fit together on an NBA court was that Golden State team, and Steve Kerr just mm-hmm. unlocked it instantly. Yeah. And I think that this Thunder team could be similar. I just think that they're they're going to they're the fit is just tremendous. Yeah, I mean, I think this will be one of the most interesting stuff during the season. There are many, there are many uh, in the West, but and in the in the East uh, after the craziness of uh, last two weeks. But right. yeah, I mean, OKC is definitely. Uh, interesting, and they have a lot of potential. If all goes well, I mean, for this team, every like many people will be surprised. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and to back to Russ can't play with another superstar. You don't go to four out of five Western Conference Finals and not yeah, know how to play with another player, yeah. another superstar. Like that doesn't happen. You're the Clippers if you don't know how to play together and you never make it out of the second round. I don't this the narrative that they couldn't play together is just so absurd. Like it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Was there some times where it was your turn, my turn and the offense bogged down uh at the end of the game? Sure. But but to take that and extrapolate that over the entire career that they had together is it's just revisionist history and it's wrong. Yeah, and I mean there is another uh, and then I, I don't want to sound like sound too Omer uh, that I actually am. Um <laughs> I mean you have with most of the time with one one screen and one pass, even last season, you are completely open. Yep. So the, the the whole point of basketball is taking open shots. Yep. And so with KD on the floor, basically if Russ takes a screen from anyone, like anyone, and then pass to KD, most of the time he has like an efficient shot. Yep. Sure. With with uh, when defenses uh, becomes better. Then you have less open shot, but still, I mean, <laughs> like the shot quality that okay she had, okay she had was not bad, especially because of what I'm, I was saying. I mean, it's hard during the regular season to to search for better shot when you already have after one pass you have a great shot. Yeah, and so um, yeah. It's cl- clearly something didn't work against Golden State two years ago. Clearly, mm-hmm. I'm still not sure what it was, uh, but um, yeah, we will never know. But still, I, I don't think that Russ need to learn how to play with with Paul George in the sense that uh, he he knows how to defer, he knows how to make him happy. He will have like an incredible season. That I'm sure. Paul George will, ha- will have like an amazing season, maybe the best of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that he learns how to be uh, useful when he doesn't have the ball. 
yeah. not useful, creative when he doesn't have the ball. Do more stuff. Like okay. I, when I went to uh, Fred Pod, I, I discussed the, the idea of Russ screening more. Yeah. And you, you, we, we actually made a, an article together back uh, back in the days, uh, speaking about how how um, little Russ was screening. Yeah, advantage. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that would be something great because he can unlock so much more from himself and from the other. That is something that I really want to see. But if, even if they will do anything different from uh, KD's OKC, then they will be efficient anyway. <laughs> so we'll see. It's uh, it's very interesting to see what kind of rust we will see uh, in October. Yeah, it, it really is because you're right. He does have. There's just a lot of possibilities with him, and I think the the most likely outcome is that we don't see him doing many screens. We don't see him doing uh, really anything that's that different from when Durant was here. Uh, but if they do involve him a little bit more, and they try to run him off ball a little bit, and use him even as a decoy or as a spot-up guy... Uh, I think you just unlock a lot of things with this team and give some variability and make the thunder just just make the thunder a little bit more difficult to guard. I think that that mm. I think that that would it would go a long way. Uh, and I don't know. I'm not really sure what it would take. I don't know if it's like convincing Russell Westbrook that this is the right thing. I don't know if it's um, that Billy Donovan really doesn't want to do it. I, I don't really know what the motivations are behind not having Russ screen. Uh, but he's got the clearly he's got the size um, and should be able to set a solid screen. Uh, but I just think it's interesting. I think that's that's something that I would like to talk to Billy Donovan about this season and try to figure out like why 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 isn't he doing this and why what's you know now that you have another pick and roll ball handler and Paul George. Yeah, that that, that was the main problem last year. Right, you yeah. would already tell that who was screen for. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Smash? Not, sure. not, not great. I think that I would bring up his first season and with the Thunder, yeah. where he took, yeah. where he had like what seventy screens or something like that total for the yeah, season, yeah, yeah. and say like what, like he didn't do it then. Do do we have any? Do you have any plans to do that now to offer some variability? And he'll probably give some long answer that by the end of it, I'll be very confused and really not even <laughs> know what he's talking about. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think th- this team is just fascinating, and I'm excited to see actual basketball. Me too. It's been too long. It has. It has. Uh, McKelly, thanks for coming on the show today and explaining a lot of things uh, about these new players. I think it's going to be really exciting. Uh, we can follow you on Twitter at Mikey Barra, M-I-K-Y-B-E-R-R-A. Uh, we can look at your stuff on chart side at chart underscore side. Uh, anything else going on? Nope, that's pretty much it. Excellent. Thanks, Mikey. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. And we will talk to you guys on Wednesday with John Hamm.